You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today in studio, I have with me David Donaldson and Michael Daly from the Atlanta Healing Center. Hi, guys. Hello. Hey. We all made it. Uh, and this is a very interesting day. As we've promised, we're not going to let go of this vaping issue and situation until we have a little more in terms of answers and a little more in terms of recommendations other than people should not be vaping, uh, especially adolescents and especially pregnant women. Um, but we're going to update you a little bit on the latest news about vaping and the latest warnings. Last Friday on September 6th, the CDC held a webinar, which was very informative, really helpful. If you're interested in listening to the complete uh, webinar, you can go to cdc.gov and click on the webinar. It is uh, available to listen to or to download. They had representatives not only from the CDC, but from the Departments of Public Health in all of the states where deaths have been confirmed, and additional other folks who had more information about what was happening with the um, investigations of the additional illnesses and um out of that, their statement is, and I understand Michael Daly has an update even to this one, but as of September 6th, there were over 450 possible cases of lung disease associated with the use of e-cigarettes. These have been reported to the CDC from 33 different states and one U.S. territory. Included in this number is Georgia, uh, for those of you who are Georgia fans, um, but certainly 33 other states. So the majority of states in the United States have had a, um, a concerning lung illness. Five deaths at that point had been confirmed, um, and this was as of Friday. Uh, one in California, Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, and Oregon. They are working really hard, the CDC and other um, interested parties, in trying to define what this illness looks like, what some of the symptoms are, what the presentation is, so that different agencies and entities across the country will have a better way to identify possible patients that may have this uh, illness, and also for them to look back over older cases that they may have missed because this had not been identified. No evidence of ex- an infection was found. So this is not contagious. This is not an infectious disease that we have to worry about. Um, they feel that this is a chemical exposure. Initial reports... Um, point to the similarities in that all of these individuals had been vaping. Some of them had been using uh, vape products that were used for nicotine only. Most of them were using vape products that were for a combination of marijuana use and or nicotine. So um, there's not been one particular product that has been identified 
and um, the uh, problem seems to be at least initially, and they were very careful and very um, cautious to let us know that um, the possible identified chemical may have been a form of vitamin E, which is not supposed to be heated and certainly not supposed to be inhaled. But they're still not clear and they're still not able to say, don't use this product. But they did give some warnings. Again, youth and young adults should not use e-cigarettes. Adults do not continue to use um who do not currently use tobacco products shouldn't start vaping now. Now that people are dying, it's a good time to start. Let's, uh, yeah, let's go ahead. This sounds interesting, and and we laugh, except we know some of our folks with the disease of addiction. And one of the things that has been clear to us over the years is if there is a rash of deaths and overdoses from heroin, for example, rather than running away, people addicted to heroin will actually seek out the dealer who sold it because that's really good stuff. So my concern is that with the fear that the government may crack down on these uh, products and the use of them, there may be a rush to, well, let me try it out before it becomes illegal. And so while that seems silly, like a duh, uh, you don't want to start vaping now, I think the mindset of many people could be, uh, let me get in there and see what this is all about before it's too late. Um, I remember back long, long time ago when I was in college um, when clove cigarettes kind of made a hit. Right. And you didn't hear anything about cloves. You know, you might have had a friend that smoked them until somebody died and they went back and linked it back to the clove cigarettes. And then all of a sudden you just saw and heard everyone smoking clove cigarettes. Right. And it was pretty pretty crazy. But um, yes, with this vaping, I think it's going to be the same thing. And just like two hours ago today, um, they said that a sixth person has died from uh, the mysterious vaping-linked lung disease. So we now have another one to and, add to the list. And that person is in Kansas. In Kansas. But they're being very, they're not saying a whole lot about any particulars, just that it's another death. Another death associated. So, again, if you are using e-cigarettes products to continue with the CDC warnings that came out of this um, broadcast, um, if you're using them, do not buy them off the street. For example, don't buy... um, products that have been tampered with and now instead of containing nicotine, they contain marijuana. Be very, very careful where you source your uh, juice, where you source the cartridges to replace the jewel. And we're going to jump all over jewel here in just a moment. But since they have 33% of the market, if, uh, if your cartridge looks like it's been tampered with, don't use it. 
Um, we they suggest that you individually do not try and modify your e-cigarette products or add any substance to the product that is not currently intended for use by the manufacturer. It's you're going to die anyway from the nicotine. So um, I. That is not, uh, excuse me, that was not part of the CDC guidelines. That was one of my inappropriate comments that slipped out on its own. So I do want to get back to the the vitamin E oil, though, just for a second, because part of what they've talked about is that CBD oil and THC oil um, use vitamin E as one of the components for extracting the, the chemical. Right. But they also use other kinds of oil, and oil is not meant to be in the lungs. Correct. It's perfectly fine to be ingested and go through your system. Not that we're recommending that, but it is not ever meant to be in the lungs. And whether it's through vaping or not, when foreign bodies are, are in the lungs, you'll develop kind of a pneumonia reaction because the body tries to expel it, um, which can be deadly whether this was addiction or not. Correct. And when you add to that that many of these oils are not supposed to be heated uh, above a usually fairly low temperature, if you are going to be consuming some of the oils that might be a component of this, really heating them then changes the component of the oil themselves, and when they are vaporized, this is a very high, very fast heating process. So um, the last thing that the CDC would like us to know is that adult smokers who are attempting to quit should use evidence-based treatments, highlighting very clearly that there is no evidence that using e-cigarettes is a way to stop smoking. So these evidence-based treatments include (coughs) counseling, FDA-approved medications, and we know that there are seven different medications approved for um, use for stopping nicotine. And that um, if you need help, including getting off e-cigarettes, contact your doctor or other health care providers. If you're concerned about your health, after using an e-cigarette, call your local poison control center, and the number for that is 1-800-222-1222. So that's a pretty easy number, but uh, we will repeat that a little bit later. So if you have concerns, calling the poison control center will not only connect you, they'll help you get to where you need to go to be evaluated, but that will also um, automatically alert the CDC that there may be another case to investigate. This is not to get you in trouble. This is not to have you arrested. This is not Big Brother looking in at you exactly, but this is a way that from a public health uh, situation, we need to know who is having trouble that may be related to using uh, e-cigarettes or other types of vaping products. So this was a really informative uh, broadcast. I would encourage, again, anybody who uh, would like to listen to it, you can go to the cdc.gov website and actually listen to all of the presentations. It's not that long, but there were very interesting questions asked by the mainstream media 
in terms of them being able to prepare their own statements. Some of the um, the symptoms that they mentioned yes. that people should be mindful of, it's not just breathing. Labored breathing is one of them, but also um, gastric issues, cramping, nausea. Um, and, and part of what they really emphasized was that if you do end up going to the ER and you do acknowledge that you were vaping recently, that if there's any way to to actually give the vaporizer to them, you're not going to be arrested or charged with anything, so they can test the product and they can test the, the oils that are being used, because they really are searching for answers on this. Because people are dying, and they're dying at a record rate. Yes, six is not a huge number. But, but 450 plus are sick. Right. And a few weeks ago, it was 200. 200. And so these are growing. I expect now that the CDC has identified their diagnostic criteria that we're going to see not only more people identified, but probably some other uh, folks that have been very ill or who have died may be added to this um, to this toll. One of the questions that was asked, which I thought was really interesting, was, is this just a new awareness um, of an old problem, or is this a new thing? And while they couldn't answer that directly, they were... Um, fairly confident that this is a new phenomenon that we're seeing. And so we need to be really careful and people need to take this seriously. So if you have cough, if you're short of breath, if you are having chest pain, and then as you said, David, if you're having nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, abdominal cramping, if you're having a fever, if you're having um, fatigue or a sudden weight loss, and you're using an e-cigarette, especially if you're using one that you may you may or may not have used with uh, marijuana or THC oil or hemp oil in it, please talk to the doctor. Please call the Poison Control Center. And again, that number is 1-800-222-1222. Well, I think it's pretty interesting because when, when the CDC comes out with something, like, for example, romaine lettuce having uh, some type of... Uh, illness born right everyone stops using you know everyone that you know basically says okay i'm gonna quit using romaine lettuce for a minute it's pulled off the shelves and it's not available but but with this this vaping you see this you get this this um announcement and people continue to vape right so that tells us something right there Yes, it probably tells us a lot of things, including the power uh, and the addiction level of nicotine, but it also tells us about what's happening financially that these products are still available. But, and the other p- point that the CDC did make about vaping as a smoking cessation that we talked about a week or so ago was that it doesn't work, that people who use vaping to quit smoking end up using both products. Unfortunately, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about vaping and also how much it costs to use drugs here in America. Thanks for listening. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? 
and what is the best place to go for the care that is needed. We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour, on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business professionals, business practices, and fascinating individuals to get an insider view of how America works, 10 to 11 a.m. on America's Web Radio. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. You are listening to America's Web Radio. Today, Michael Daly and David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center are joining me. And our first segment was dedicated to, uh, to an update on uh, the vaping crisis and the potentially deadly lung-related diseases that are, or disorders that are coming from, um, from the um, products. So now I'd like to turn our attention just for a few minutes uh, to the the idea that yesterday um, 
on September 9th. Um, the federal authorities say vaping giant Juul, which owns uh, over 30% of the market for e-cigarettes and electronic nicotine delivery systems, um, they are in. Uh, they illegally pitch their product, uh, particularly to schools <coughs> in presentations, uh, touting that Juul and e-cigarettes were a safer alternative to smoking. So on Monday, which is actually September ninth, um, uh, there a stern warning letter was sent to the company flagging claims by Juul, including that its products are much safer than cigarettes. This was actually presented to kids in high schools across our nation, and some of these children testified um, about their experience with hearing this information. So, the comments by the FDA commissioner, Neil Sharpless, Sharpless, said Jewel has ignored the law and very concerningly has made some of these statements in school to our nation's youth. They keep apologizing. They keep saying, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oops. Oops, didn't mean to. Oops, we aren't targeting children. Oops, oops, oops. And yet here they are going into schools, creating products that are bubblegum flavored. I keep picking on bubblegum, but I just cannot imagine most adults are using bubblegum and cotton candy. Maybe so. I like myself some bubblegum every once in a while. And I've known some adults that love cotton candy. <laughs> but the the idea that representatives from this company have gone into schools and told children that these products are, quote, totally safe. Not just safer, they've actually, representatives from the company have made these outrageous claims. And, um, I mean, it's hard to imagine what any reason would have been for a representative from this company being in a school in the first place. But it has been really interesting watching their development of the marketing over the past year. Initially, it was like this this product that you could use in places where you couldn't smoke. So it wasn't necessarily putting safer into it. It was just right. kind of like cleaner and more convenient. Um, you could or legal. You could um, <laughs> allowed. Yeah, yeah. Whereas you can't visit your parent who's dying in the hospital and smoke while you're there. You can have a real quick hit off of your jewel and not have an issue. But then moving from <laughs> from um, convenient and, and not so messy to this is actually safer kids is is uh, interesting yeah well and they've they've made it so convenient i mean you know when when vaping first came out it was a large contraption or device and it looked like something you know back from the 70s or 80s star wars right um or a small oxygen tank yeah and it was it was it was something that was the the exhale would be a giant cloud, um, and you could tell somebody was doing it. Now you cannot even 
you, you have no clue that they're even using a jewel. They may be concealing it in their hand and just repeatedly putting their hand up in front of their mouth as part of gesturing mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. Um, resting their head their um, while they listen to what you're saying. And they can be using right in front of you and you have no idea. Which, okay, discreet, that's fine. But when kids are able to do this at school and in front of their parents, and when at school they're being taught this is 99% safer than cigarettes or this is totally safe, and these are direct quotes from representatives from the Jewel Company, that has just crossed another line. Uh, yet another line that you don't think that tobacco companies can get any worse than they are, they proceed to drop the bar even lower with this kind of direct marketing to children. This marketing with the bright colors and the young people, very young-looking people using the products, lots of marketing on social media, lots of things um, that are going on. I initially was kind of surprised that because I didn't think you could alter a jewel. I thought you had to buy their car- cartridges, but apparently they can be altered altered as well. My question is, and I'm sorry to butt in. That's but okay, David you know, Moxley. <laughs> Just if, to identify you to our listeners. If uh, I go out to any school, high school, junior high school, whatever, or middle school, or whatever they're called, and say. I want to come in and talk about my conservative radio station that's opposed to e-smoking and uh, vaping and all that. I couldn't get past the front door. Mm-hmm. How in the hell do these people get in? Well, it's very interesting, and thank you for asking that question, because a number of years ago when the tobacco companies were hit with some of the fines and the need to try and correct some of the bad things that they've done, they developed anti-smoking programs. They funded these. They made them available to schools. And so there are schools here in Georgia that have had these programs for more than 10 years. These are are funded by Big Tobacco, Tobacco, and they are part of the curriculum. But it, now that now that they own so the part of the e cigarettes, they're slipping in that oh yes, we, we believe this is ninety nine point nine percent safe, right? Safer. So the curriculum have they got their heads buried? Are they not hearing that five people are dead, six people are dead? And well, well, they're saying sorry. They didn't mean for that to happen, and that they're going to discontinue no, I mean, the that. Schools. Why aren't the schools saying no? You can't come in. I don't know, and I don't know if they're going to. I imagine the timing of that is is. This just came out this week that the feds are now if doing. They're actually writing a letter saying you guys have been bad. They've been thinking about well, maybe for, writing this letter for a month or two. But but for maybe six weeks to six to four to six weeks, um, you started hearing about well. The FDA is going to start going after the, you know, flavorings. Well, then we started to 
get more and more of these deaths, and so now all of a sudden they're making a move that's a little bit stronger. But it still is not. It's still too little, too late. Right. Um, Jewel, in response to this letter, has said that they stopped these educational programs about a year ago last September. Now, they still are providing nicotine um, cessation and nicotine education in most, not most, in many schools. Um, But apparently this component of it has been removed, and they're very, very sorry. And I'm using my very, very sarcastic voice and face in saying that. They're not sorry at all. They know exactly what they're doing, and they do it for as long as they can get away with it. And they're making tons of money, and now they're moving, as we know they will, like a cancer, into not just cigarette sales, but now the e-cigarette market. And we are also, of course, they're behind a lot of big um, big marijuana. So this is um, disgraceful. They get away with saying, I'm sorry, and they continue to say, I'm sorry. Last week, Michigan was the first state to ban sales of flavored, any kind of flavored e-cigarettes. And San Francisco has also banned sales of e-cigarettes that are not FDA approved. We're going to take a a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about what it costs to use drugs in America. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. This is America's Web Radio. And with me today are Michael Daly and David Donaldson from Atlanta Healing Center. And we spent the first part of our program talking about vaping and an update. And we will continue to follow this story and provide updates for you, our listeners, uh, because this is such a huge problem and because we are so concerned the vast majority of our patients with the disease of addiction will die of tobacco-related disorders as opposed to their dopamine Mm -hmm. releaser of choice. And so uh, helping people stop smoking, a big crusade, if you can't tell, of mine. Um, Well, 
and and like you have said before many times before that that we were starting to see a decline in the number of new smokers for the first time ever i think since cigarettes became right. available and now it's risen back again so there was just a small little drop and, right. and now it's it's now the kids are smoking uh, yeah. again mm-hmm. um so it's a big problem it's a huge problem and it's going to be a even bigger problem and now we're not seeing the 30 40 year trajectory from first smoking to death mm-hmm. we may be seeing this in a few weeks. short weeks to months that um, that phrase caught my attention when you said smoking their dopamine releaser of choice because so often it, it, people in recovery that's alcohol or opiates or some big drug but most of them their first dopamine releaser was nicotine and it's the one they hang on until the grave so although their choice might be something much stronger right. much faster the one that really gets in there and just subtly takes over the brain is nicotine as part of our transition into this next subject, I just wanted to throw out there that Americans spend $80 billion on cigarettes per year, according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control. Now, listen to that number compared to the number you're about to say for all, all the other drugs. drugs. So $80 billion for naked cigarettes, for cigarettes in the U.S. In the U.S. alone. And the U.S. consumes fewer cigarettes than many other Countries, um, 80 billion with a B. That's a pretty big, big number. So earlier um, this month, there was a report from the RAND Corporation on behalf of the Office of the National Drug Control Policy, uh, formerly known as the Drug Czar. This group has commissioned a study to look at what do Americans spend on illegal drugs. And they looked at the, uh, the numbers from... 2006 through 2016. So that's that's the most recent numbers that we have. If you are a real nerd and you want to look into how they did this calculation, which is incredibly complicated and for a nerd like me, it's very interesting, but you can go to um, the RAND, www.rand.org backslash P-U-B-S backslash research and you can uh, look at what do Americans spend. It's a 94-page report, <laughs> so it's a little beyond the scope of most people's interest, but um, but it is very interesting the various and sundry ways at which they looked at coming up with these numbers and um, looking at how many people use drugs, how much they spend on drugs, and how many drugs are actually consumed. So those are kind of the three different metrics that they looked at. Um, key findings, uh, we can just jump right into that. Um, looking at, number one, the overdose death rates in 2018 exclu- exceeded 68 thousand deaths with 47,000 of these being related to opioids. Now, to your point, David, 
last year, the deaths related to nicotine were 490, or tobacco, excuse me, back up, back up, back up. Let me get my language correct. Deaths related to tobacco were over 490,000. So even still, tobacco wins the day. Hands down, they're the big winners. Hands down, they are big winners. The interesting thing about this study follows along with some of the things that we have talked about, that um, the prediction by Bob DuPont, who is our second drug czar, I think, um, and one of the founders of the National Institute of Drug Abuse, um, he predicts that following every opioid epidemic, we see an epidemic of stimulants. Mm-hmm. And what we are seeing now is, again, according to these numbers, is the beginning uptick in methamphetamine again, the beginning uptick in cocaine, cocaine. again. So these numbers are on the rise, mm-hmm. and we are seeing um, use of prescription drugs distinctly lowering. Doctors have gotten the message. Uh, insurance companies have gotten the message. The American public has gotten the message. Pharmacies have gotten the message. And it is really hard to get a prescription for opioids um, these days. So those prescriptions have gone down, and now we're seeing the rise in heroin, but even faster than the rise in heroin is fentanyl, and that's uh, responsible for many of these deaths are now really the opioid deaths, the vast majority of those are related to fentanyl. And fentanyl, it's my understanding, is coming in as a industrial... Um, not, not research not, product. Yeah, a research product. Right. So and it doesn't have to go through the normal FDA, FDA regulations. regulations. Or um, immigration and other kinds of, you know, coming through um, the borders. Mm-hmm. So, yes, many of the ways, and not that we're giving people ideas, but unfortunately, many of the ways that people access a lot of these drugs is through the dark web, uh-huh. paying with Bitcoin or other um, cryptocurrency. And and what we're seeing is that they are ordering these as research chemicals. Mm-hmm. And so they are sent very clearly labeled, like bath salts were labeled, not for human consumption. This is for your research project that we know you are working on your whatever, uh-huh. your PhD. Um, so they're able to be shipped. Um, the um, ultimate source of this fentanyl, of course, is coming through China. Uh, even the fentanyl that's coming up through Mexico, Mexico. Uh, much of it is China, uh, sourced out of China. But it's much easier to get it into Mexico in large amounts than it is to get it into the U.S., so we're seeing the overdose deaths. We're seeing um, the opiate uh, crisis continuing. But this um, this report highlights that we are seeing the thing that we've been talking about, which is many of our patients coming in with addiction to cocaine and stimulants. Well, and and many times, like when when you were talking about the stimulants starting to an uptick, um, the drug dealers start to flood the market with cheap amphetamines, you know, methamphetamine. And they know that at this point that it's really inexpensive and they're probably selling it at a loss, 
but they know that it's so addictive that that by doing that they can slowly raise their price and have a huge market regular sure. customers mm-hmm. yeah and as we've seen for a long time there's fentanyl or opiates in some so much of everything else that you have that that creating physical dependency to go along with the high that they love already with with the emotional dependency the part that i was really making a point on with with cigarettes and nicotine products bringing in 80 billion the right. combination of cocaine heroin marijuana and methamphetamine in 2016 was 150 billion so so the tobacco industry is more than half of all of those other ones. I, I just thought Combined. that was really interesting. Combined. Combined. <laughs> um, one of the interesting things, if we look again following the numbers, cocaine uh, was one of the more heavily used drugs uh, back in 2006. And um, the best estimate of how much was spent on cocaine in the United States was $58 billion that year. Now, that number has creeped down and down and down and has held steady since 2013 at about $24 billion. So that's about half, less than half of the, um, the amount in 2006, 16. But as they're looking at the numbers moving forward, we're seeing cocaine is now upticking again. Mm-hmm. When we look at heroin, their best estimate um, was in 2006 was $31 billion. Uh, currently, 2016 is $43 billion. So that is... Um, that is their estimate. The, with heroin, the interesting thing is the lowest estimate was for 2016, $17 billion, and the highest was $85 billion, still less than your nicotine, <laughs> um, which we have pretty good numbers. I on. think it's actually pretty interesting just looking at the table that you're reading from. Uh-huh. It's labeled the retail expenditure on illicit drugs. <laughs> and it's looking, it reads just like reading anything from a stock market. You're right. Looking at the returns and the highs and the lows. Yeah, a P&L statement mm-hmm. from the, um, the drug cartels. Very interesting. Um, marijuana is the one that I find um, quite uh, remarkable. So, um so in 2006, it was bringing in adjusted 34 billion, and it has continued. To, it had a slight dip in 2007, but since then has gone up every year, um, up to 2014, 54 billion, and then down a little bit to 52 <coughs> billion. Um, and it is it is quickly catching up with tobacco. Um, and it is is nearly double um, cocaine and heroin. I'm, no, heroin and methamphetamine. Right. It's amazing. It is amazing. Um, the methamphetamine when number. When big tobacco throws its money behind something, it takes off. It takes off. You can uh, you can dare bet. You can dare bet. 
So, methamphetamine. This is the scary one because of the effect of methamphetamine on the brain and the difficulty and the rapid trajectory from first use to disaster in your life with (laughs) methamphetamine. And and that is a disaster with the capital D. D, yes. Um, That is such a rapid trajectory, even faster than heroin, although... Of course, along the way, you can overdose and die with heroin. You can overdose and die with methamphetamine and cocaine as well. We need not forget that. But this rise that we see in methamphetamine. So back in 2006, their best um, uh, idea was uh, $22 billion. Then those numbers dropped, dropped, dropped to a low of 15 billion, 15 in 2011. Now suddenly we have a rapid increase up to 27 billion in 2016. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about what this means and what this is costing us in the U.S. Thanks for listening. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour, on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business professionals, business practices, and fascinating individuals to get an insider view of how America works, 10 to 11 a.m. on America's Web Radio. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? 
and what is the best place to go for the care that is needed. We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and today in studio I have David Donaldson and Michael Daly from the Atlanta Healing Center, and we're talking about what it costs um, Americans retail. I love the way, uh, as you pointed out, this chart is written. Um, the retail cost of... Um, Which means spending. Right. So Americans are spending this amount of money on these drugs. Now, the cost of the drugs... Is a whole nother is a whole nother story. Story, but but the retail price that Americans are spending is astounding, and that increase those two upticks, well, actually almost three, three. two and a, a little bit. The marijuana and the uh, methamphetamine, scary, scary stuff. Uh, the what looks like the beginning of an uptick is um, uh, happening with cocaine. Mm -hmm. So these are all products, may I please point out, that one of the preferred delivery methods is smoking. Smoking. And not to keep jumping on this fact, but kids do not need to be vaping in any form or fashion. Right. It is not only, number one, illegal, especially if they're under 18, but this is the gateway for them to be experimenting with and potentially being exposed to other highly addictive substances. Not that marijuana or nicotine aren't high enough addicting. They are. They don't usually cause a lot of the... Uh, until very recently, uh, the immediate risk of death or the immediate risk of morbidity or mortality, not to the extent that we see with some of the other substances, but they are definitely the um, dopamine releasers of first exposure and longest use for the vast majority of our patients. If they would not use until after the age of 25, we would have a lot fewer people to treat. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting, Dr. Blank, when, you, when you're talking about, um, you know, the first use is a lot of times cigarettes or, or um, tobacco, but how many times we talk to somebody that has gone on to heroin or has gone on to methamphetamine and they say, well, I didn't use Anita, I only smoked it, you know, because that is a justification for, well, it's not so it's bad. It's not so bad. You know, the needle is is the ultimate worst, but I'm just smoking it. And 
I mean, we hear that over and, and over, over and over, over again. again. And, and the outcome is the same. Right. Unfortunately, and it is very dangerous. And one of the things that I would really like to challenge all parents, grandparents, teachers, school administrators, Cub Scout leaders, whoever works with young people, they should not be using any kind of electronic cigarettes. Do you know what your kids are using? I remember back in the day when I was a kid mm-hmm. at 10 o'clock. <laughs> Go do, ahead, Michael. Do you, p- parents, do you know where your children are? And that, I remember laughing, but my parents would literally look around and smile because we were all there. Um, they knew where we were. Mostly. We need to be asking um, parents again, do you know what your kids are smoking or if they're smoking? And having those conversations is one of the ways that we can intervene in a positive way to eliminate or at least significantly decrease the morbidity and mortality associated with some of this drug use. Not all of these people have addiction. Right. I mean, there are, there are plenty of studies that talk about families that have dinner together and parents who talk to their kids about the dangers of substance use and nicotine and smoking, um, that that helps the child make healthier decisions when they're faced with peer pressure and they're faced with all these issues once they go out. But the, the parents need to not just say smoking is bad. They need to actually learn about what it's doing and be able to talk to their their kids and we're talking 12 11 year old because most of our patients had their first cigarette around age 12 right i don't know about the rest of the world but if they end up at atlanta healing center <laughs> they had a cigarette at age 12 or younger well and and what i think is interesting is how many how many parents that we have that maybe smoked pot while their kids were growing up and smoke and did things sort of um after they went to bed or behind closed doors sneaking it and all of the kids knew it they know they knew they will call out their parents very often saying but you're smoking pot Mm -hmm. you're using opiates you're taking xanax you're uh hiding alcohol and drinking um if you think your kids don't know, then you don't know kids. Right. But one of the ways to have a, a conversation that can be very helpful is let your kids educate you. Ask them, do you know what vaping is? And ask it in a question like, help me understand. I don't understand vaping. Let the kid be the teacher. You will not only probably learn a lot that you didn't know about vaping, you'll learn a lot about your child's (laughs) experience with vaping. And you've opened the conversation. And that's often a really good method. Tell me about, do you know any kids that are vaping? What does that look like? Can you smell it? But now, if you freak out on the kids, Kid when they give you an answer, right. that method will never work again. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so be prepared for what you're about to hear and then keep your listening ears on. Right. And <laughs> try and keep your mouth shut. Um, but the, the, it's important to have these conversations. And even if your child is vaping or is using pot or other substances, 
doesn't mean it's too late to have the conversation. It's never too late. And if they feel like this is a place where they can have that kind of conversation, they're much more likely to come to you and ask for help when they're in trouble. So asking your kids, ask your kids, do you know about vaping? What do you know about vaping? Teach me about vaping is one way for you to learn a lot and for your kids to be able to feel comfortable having those conversations. Also, if you are aware that your child is vaping, then it is imp- you have an obligation to make sure that doesn't continue, or at least they know clearly <coughs> it's continuing without your blessing. So many parents will say, it's just marijuana. Mm-hmm. It's just nicotine. It's never just marijuana. It's never just nicotine. And we don't come with a tag that says who's going to get in trouble and who's not. So it's never just nicotine. It's never just alcohol. It's never just marijuana. And the message needs to be come very clearly because Americans are spending a lot of money. They're spending time in jail. They're losing jobs. They're losing family. They're losing their lives because they continue to use illicit drugs. It's big business. There's a lot of people interested in getting your child hooked on drugs. A lot more people trying to get them hooked than trying to help them stay away or get off of drugs. Mm -hmm. And it is much easier to get hooked than it is to stop. And that's an important message. So please, it's never just. Have the conversations. Help your kids have these conversations with you. Help your young people. And and be very mindful. Parents have a right and an obligation to say, no, you cannot smoke in my house, in my yard, in my car, in your bedroom, in the basement, down the street, at school, at your neighbors. And I know that you have to say all of those places because they will say, you didn't say I couldn't smoke in the parking lot of the playground. Um, so you have to list it out. Yes, I'm a mother, um, have lots of kids. Um, but I wish you all a very good luck, and I wish you all a good conversation, and we'll see you all next week on Detailing Addiction. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.